Welcome to Head to Toe, a series of interviews with medical professionals, illuminating healthcare's history while shedding a light on its future. This is episode 11, an interview with retired nurse Linda Sorensen. Patient names have been bleeped in accordance with HIPAA to protect patient privacy. Enjoy the interview. Okay, here we are. Welcome to Head to Toe. I'm Marie McMillan, and I am here with Linda Sorensen, a recently retired registered nurse, and she has graciously agreed to sit down and do an interview with me. Thank you, Linda. Thanks. So, where did you go to school? What year did you finish training? And how long had you been in the nursing field altogether? So, I went to school... Well, I got my LVN training in uh, Santa Rosa Junior College in Santa Rosa, California, and that was in 1980. And then um, from there, moved up to Reading, and I um, went into the step-up program uh, at Shasta College. So I uh, was able to go from LVN to RN, and that was I finished there in 1988. So I have been in nursing uh, technically since 1980 with three years off to be a mother and take care of my daughter Mm -hmm. when she was born. Mm -hmm. So all together, like nearing 37 years. 37 years, yeah. All right. (laughs) In your career, what kinds of nursing work had you done? Well, I was a CNA first. I did that just in a nursing home for a short time. And then after that, um, I tried to get a job in an acute care facility. Um, That was in 1984, 83, 84. And um, they weren't hiring at that time, LVNs or nurses at all. And so I had to go into another nursing home, which was a total nightmare (laughs) having to do that, but um, for just a short time. And uh, And then I got a job as an LBN float, and it was just part-time. And I went directly into working in the critical care unit at Mercy Medical Center in Reading, and that's where I ended up mostly as a float uh, working there. And that's what sparked my interest in uh, working as an ICU nurse. What made you become a nurse in the first place? Other than needing a job and putting to put food on the table. <laughs> well, that was the first thing. Okay. Well, there you <laughs> but go. that's okay. <laughs> what happened was is that I was going to be a dental hygienist originally. And oh. I was in part of the classes uh, that I took, uh, it was I had to do some volunteering in a medical facility. So I went to uh, Santa Rosa uh, Medical Memorial Hospital. And I worked in on the orthopedic floor as a volunteer. Well, they were very good to me, the nurses, and they also, they let me do hands-on nursing as a volunteer, which was probably totally against the law. (laughs) But I got to help hold legs up for dressings and do all of that hands-on stuff. Very cool. And um, so that totally did it for me, was Mm -hmm. to... Uh, I just went from there to become a CNA and then LBN and then an RN. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's what sparked my interest. And I loved the contact, uh, the patient contact. What was nursing practice like when you first started? And how have you seen it change over the years? Mm -hmm. 
Well, when I first started, it was um, there was a lot less technology. I mean, I'm sure you've heard that before. Sure. It was a lot less regulation. When I started, we didn't do a whole lot of gloves. <laughs> we did when the messy stuff, but not all the time like we do now. Right. We spent more time uh, at the bedside. It seems like we had, you know, give your bed baths with soap and water, wash and dry. I know that's not the most practical way to now anymore, but that's what we did. We mixed our own drips. We mixed, mixed to potassium and all, a lot of the pressers too. We did, we mixed those. It was very interesting. My understanding. <laughs> interesting time. <laughs> yeah. My understanding is that didn't really change until maybe early 2000s mm-hmm. that, that pharmacies really took that's over right. that. That's right. It took them a long time mm-hmm. yeah, to, to uh, realize that it was, you know, and then also just, you know, things like, you know, we didn't wear scrubs. We wore uniforms. We wore white uniforms and white shoes. And and I think I was at the tail end of the wearing the hats. I, I don't remember. I remember maybe starting as an LBN wearing a hat, but I think that was all gone by the time I... And what was, do you remember, like, suddenly it was like, oh, I don't have to wear a hat anymore? Or, like, what brought that about, I wonder? The, the... Um, well, you know what it was? I think it was finally they were seeing, I think, that there was a lot of germs in the hat. Oh. There were a lot of, you know, bacteria, germs, a lot of bacteria in the hat. And it was okay. like, you know, it wasn't a good, uh, and plus it was getting in the way. From what I can remember, it's been so long, I don't really mm-hmm. remember It wasn't. It wasn't like a giant revolt where people came and were like, I'm not wearing a hat no, anymore. No, I don't recall that. Okay. You know? <laughs> If there is, if anyone's listening and there's a hat revolt that someone remembers, <laughs> please email me. I would yes. like to talk about. That would be funny. That. <laughs> yeah. Um, but sorry to interrupt, but uh, no. seeing how it's changed over the years. So things have, uh, uniforms have changed, the way yeah. we give drugs have changed. Yeah, and the, of course the charting. I mean, you know, we do the paper, we did the paper charting for years and, um, you know, wrong, you know, we used to write long dissertations of, um, you know, how we did what we did and and actually I kind of liked that mm-hmm. <laughs> for for me anyway I thought it was I know it isn't as efficient but um but I I kind of enjoyed doing that you know sure what had you noticed that had stayed the same over all the time that what do you think will not change about nursing that's a good question um I think what will not change is that if you go into the nursing field you have to love what you do I don't think that'll ever change if you're going to be a success if you're going to be able to nurse and be in the profession you you have to love the profession I mean that's one consistent thing that I've I've seen and I've seen nurses that that have left because they realized that it just and good for them you know that they could do that Mm-hmm. Is that, do you think, is that what kept you in nursing for so long versus doing something else? Yes. It was a huge part of my life. It gave me meaning. It gave me identity. You know, being a mother was my first love and was the most meaningful part of my life. Most important and still is. But a nurse is second to for me. Mm-hmm. And um, I never burnt out. I never was, I never reached that point I mean, I have had times when I felt like I needed a vacation or, you know, something, but 
I never felt like I needed to leave the profession ever for any reason. And uh, even when I retired, I didn't feel like I, you know, was burnt. And mm -hmm. I feel very fortunate in that um, mindset um, mm -hmm. and in that feeling. The only reason I retired was because I, I you know, I'm getting up there in age, but <laughs> age by number. Only a number. <laughs> only a number. <laughs> but also just um, the fact that I couldn't handle night shift and mm. I knew I... I I knew I couldn't do day shift. <laughs> I, always, I learned that a long time ago. Oh. <laughs> so I was on nights. I've been on nights for you know, the whole time I've been in nursing. So, wow. What do you think is the key for nurses and anyone in healthcare, not just nurses, doctors, whoever, whoever is there with patients, burnout, the term burnout is kind of a hot topic, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and like you're saying, people, they're, you know, good for people who recognize their burnout and they do something about it by either changing their career, taking vacations, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, you never experienced that. And I think that's, you're a unicorn. And I think that's, I'm so happy that you have, there are people out there who <laughs> have they're these on. long careers and they're just so satisfied with them. What do you think is the key to having careers like that? Paying attention to yourself, taking care of yourself first before anything i think if you don't get enough rest if you don't eat well if you don't exercise if you don't that's a big part of it i think just being conscious of of yourself i think that's the a, a really important thing mm -hmm. so i wanted to say that what i've learned about being a nurse is about the human condition because the main thing it just came to me just today as I was looking over the questions and stuff oh, yeah? is that there it taught me that there are are no boundaries to the human condition I mean there are people that are the sickest of the sick and there are people that are that come back and there are people that that treat you poorly that yet you still can look at them as a person that you don't and even though it's really hard i mean you know you you that's human to judge but you know still they are a person they are a they're somebody that that is human and human in the raw sense everybody is and I think that that that's what kept me going. I love that. I love the fact that there were so many people in my career and as patients that I've had as patients and as the people that I worked with that I that I cared about and loved and respected and that that kept me going. The and especially on night shift when the people that I worked with in both hospitals, I've only worked in two hospitals basically my whole career, uh, 16 years in Mercy in Redding, California, and 16 in, at Emanuel and with Legacy. And I'm sure you have it on the day shift too, but it just seems like night shift, you depend on each other so much more and that you have sense of who needs help and who needs a break or who needs um, or and you have this laughter that goes on you have sometimes it can be a little loud and I understand that it happens but you have that caring 
that I will always treasure in my career, always. I mean, I, I have made the most wonderful friends in my work families, <laughs> and I just love them. <laughs> How has your career, and you, you spoke about being a mother. Yes. How has your career affected your life outside of it? You know, realizing that people are not perfect and that it gave me a sense of the human condition. I was raised in a, a in the suburbs, uh, in down in Riverside, California, and I wasn't exposed to a whole lot, <laughs> honestly. And you know, I gradually moved north, working in a hospital and working with people from all ways, walks of life, I never knew existed. And that's what I have learned from, you know, from being a nurse. I think it's just that, that there are so many types of people and you treat them well and without judgment. And I try to use that in my everyday, my everyday experiences with people that I meet. Mm-hmm. Can you think of a story about a patient, a family, a doctor, or coworker that has a, left a lasting impression on you, positive or negative? Okay. Well, I have several, but I'll just... Let it rip. <laughs> First one comes to mind, and my friends at Mercy will remember this, is a, a little boy that I took care of. We had a pediatric as well as an adult ICU. It was merged? Mercy. Yeah, it was merged. Oh, wow. And so I did take care of children. So his name was... I'll never forget. He was a young boy. He was about eight years old, and he was riding um, in the in the back seat of his father's four door vehicle, and his two sisters were there. And um, apparently, the drive that side of that door wasn't completely locked, and so the door opened on a turn and fell out and hit his head. It's a very freak accident. Hit his head on the curb. And he came to our unit. I was his nurse, and as long as well as many others. But sure. um, I just remember him because I had a real connection with his father and mother. And and I'll never forget the night that um, it was after several. It was a couple weeks, but I'm not sure. I had to. Well, I called the neurosurgeon because he had started to deteriorate, and they knew that you know. Things were not going to go well ahead of time, but the neurosurgeon said, well, we need to tell the family, you know, and and I said, okay, so are you going to call them? And they, he, you know, he wanted me to, so I had, since I had this connection, I had to, I mean, I felt, I actually felt comfortable, otherwise I probably wouldn't have, but I had to call his dad and tell him that, um, that was close to, to death, and um and it was awful. <laughs> the whole thing was awful. And but the thing that stuck with me the most was this family. They were very understanding of the events. They knew and expected, you know, what the outcome was going to be. But yet so appreciative and so lovely. And um, I still, I think up till a couple of, well, it's been about five years now. I have lost contact with them, but. Still, she sends me Christmas cards mm-hmm. and, you know, and so it was kind of, it was still, there's still that connection there, I think. And that was my first child that I ever took care of that mm-hmm. actually passed, mm-hmm. uh, that I can remember anyway. And that was, that was hard. Mm-hmm. Thanks. <laughs> what are the kinds of stressors nurses go through today? 
you think, compared to maybe in the past? I don't know if it's just my perception, but is that I think we're getting a lot sicker people in the hospital. I think that that's a huge stressor for nurses today, and I think that's why it's even more important that they take care of themselves, <laughs> mm-hmm. because otherwise you can get burnt out very easily. Also, I think that the type of technology that is coming in, I mean, I think it's good. I mean, I think there's a lot of good things about it, but I think there's a lot that you have to look, that you have to learn and remember and do. And um, and consequently, it takes you a little farther away from the bedside mm-hmm. where you're actually looking at your patient, mm-hmm. honestly. And um, I, I mean, I understand the need for that and it's just something that's changed um, mm-hmm. and it is stressful. Mm-hmm. What do you think me- the field of medicine will be like in the future? Mm-hmm. More technology it sounds mm-hmm. like, maybe sicker people. Mm-hmm. That sounds like the now actually. <laughs> it does sound like the now. It sounds like what's happening now. Um, I don't know. I actually worry about that. Um, I would like to see better technology in the sense that um, I mean, this is kind of crazy, and I know we've kind of joked about it before. Uh, I, I wish there was some sort of voice-activated um, charting, uh, like they have dictation. Mm-hmm. Why can't they have at the bedside voice-activated charting mm-hmm. that keeps records? Uh, that um, I mean, I know there's probably downsides to that. I haven't researched it or anything, but mm-hmm. but why, since we have all this you know automation and computer, that we um, why can't we? improve upon that Mm -hmm. and to keep so you can take care of your patient you know you can look at your patient and observe them and see what's going on and and not have to you know be worried about if you're going to be overtime or charting or whatever you know so that would make things easier if you could like walk in the room and chart your assessment by talking out loud and then then you like you said you're more your hands are on the patient and it's less outside in the hallway trying to get your you know electronic medical record to load right. and you know clicking 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 and then our eyes and our neck hurts at the end of the day because we've been looking at a computer screen for right. 59 hours but yeah I think I think that would be helpful yeah um, I don't know if there's anything out there like that I know the voice activated technology is growing and that's just something that's yeah. I think is I think that's gonna be part of the future too like this keyboard in front of me yeah I don't think no. I don't think kids these days are gonna learn how to type. Right. I don't, yeah. yeah, I don't think so. Um, you talked about what kept you in the nursing fields, and I, I appreciate all your comments on that sure. about the camaraderie and really loving your job and, ha- and, and taking care of yourself. Yes. Um, what would you change about the profession if you could? I truly value education. Honestly, I do. And I, I mean, I've been a CCRM since 1991 or 94, I can't remember, but mm-hmm. a long time. And well, I, I don't know. I guess I'm living in the past, but I learned so much of my nursing at the bedside by nurses that were experienced, mm-hmm. that showed me hands-on, that, that, was at, that were at my side when I was putting, we were putting a swan in or an ICP drain or anything or, or all of that. We, you know, I was there and that's how I learned mm-hmm. visually hands-on mm-hmm. stuff. And I... Mm-hmm. I know that's kind of sounds a little bit old-fashioned, but no. honestly, I, I would love to see more of that. Mm-hmm. And I know that the, the, the knowledge and all of that is important, but I see 
I see the real connection between patients and being a nurse and a nurse as being that. Mm -hmm. I'm not answering this question very well. No, no, no. no. (laughs) You're not the first person to have mentioned how your training was very hands-on and how today it seems a lot more didactic in nature and how you're not the first retired professional to tell me I wish it was more hands-on. Okay. So that's common, I I, I think. Um, Okay. (laughs) 37 years in the field is a long time. You talked about how you've stayed resilient by loving what you do, first of all, which is a gift, and then the people you work with. What pearls of wisdom do you have for those of us with long careers ahead? Well, what I would love to see um, is never stop asking questions. Listen to your patient. Always listen to the families. Whenever I you know, for years I precepted and whenever I had a a nurse that never asked questions, I was very concerned. And so that would be one thing. Don't ever stop, no matter how long you've been in nursing. Don't ever stop asking questions and live with good intention. Give what you have the best that you have. Know yourself well enough to be able to do that and don't work too much you will burn out and um, I've seen this over and over again mm-hmm. you can live with less it's easy I mean you just have to make that choice mm-hmm. and um, treasure the moments that um, you know you did well in in caring for family and patient and savor these moments because they'll be with you forever and um, and learn from what you did wrong and move on. Don't beat yourself up. Mm-hmm. I speak because I used to do that and I all the time and I still do and some everybody does. Mm-hmm. But be conscious of that. Don't always know that you've you um, will learn from it uh, if you did something wrong or made a mistake. Just understand that. Um, that uh, you did the best you could and move on. Finally, how have you been enjoying your retirement thus far? I have been, uh, so the word is, it's, it's kind of a dichotomy. <laughs> it's been um, an adjustment mm-hmm. because I had no idea I would have so much time to do things. <laughs> It's the weirdest feeling. I mean, you have to wake up and, I mean, you have to. I mean, I, it's wonderful. But <laughs> you but didn't have I a few it. days where I you mean, just stayed in bed yeah, all day. <laughs> exactly. I feel guilty, you know, sometimes because work was such a part of my life. Mm-hmm. But I enjoy, I'm just now, I mean, you know, I just had these recent losses in my life and I'm just now trying to. Um, I'm recovering from that, and mm-hmm. I'm moving, and things are kind of normalizing. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, I have been enjoying just being able to decide on what I want to do and doing it. And um, and just if I want to sit down and read a book all day, I can do that um, and not feel guilty. <laughs> I can also, I've also learned, uh, I've been enjoying um, uh, and learning about a lot about myself and that I've how much I used to hesitate reaching out to people but now I'm like I'm not afraid to do that anymore and so I try my best to reach out to 
people I haven't seen and that I want to see, and, mm-hmm. and they can always say no. And <laughs> I, you know, so I've just been having you know fun doing that. And because there's a concert I want to go to, I'll ask whoever I think might enjoy it and and to come with me. And um, that's wonderful. And it's all worked out beautifully. And probably towards the end of the year, I'll be starting to look at where I'm going to travel to next. Mm-hmm. I still haven't decided that yet, but I'm looking forward to doing that. Mm-hmm. I have a little thing I want to read. Oh, please. Let me end. readjust your mic okay. just slightly. Okay. Uh, thank you, listeners, for bearing with my novice audio editing skills. I used my new clip lapel mics for the first time this interview, so thank you for those of you who donated after the happy birthday episode. This excerpt that Linda reads next is really cool and I thought very moving, so I did my best to capture it for you guys. So here you go. So I found this thing, this writing, this piece. I really don't know where it came from, but I found it online. And um, I was on this, uh, it was just this travel um, website that I found. And... I just loved it because I look at it every morning and um, it reminds me about my life right now and how I want it to be. I don't know who wrote it. And it's this. I, I want to live simply. I want to sit by the window when it rains and read books I'll never be tested on. I want to paint because I want to, not because I've got something to prove. I want to listen to my body, fall asleep when the moon is high, and wake up slowly with no place to rush off to. I want not to be governed by money or clocks or any of the artificial restraints that humanity imposes upon itself. I just want to be boundless and infinite. I love that. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that with me and all the things that you shared with me. That was just wonderful. You're very welcome, Marie. It's thank my you. pleasure. Oh, I, I hope. love doing it. Oh, <laughs> thank you for sharing. I see these are the these are the, the nitty gritty stories I want to hear from people, so I can share them with other people because I think they're important and I think we should listen to them. And, 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 Keep you know. doing it. Yeah, please. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode 11 of Head to Toe. If you have comments or questions or are interested in being interviewed or know someone who has good stories who might be great to reach out to, please don't hesitate to email me at macmillanpages at gmail.com. If you have listener feedback for the show, leave me a voicemail at 503-512-0185 and I might include your comments in a future episode. And finally, thanks to Linda Sorensen for sitting down with me and sharing all your stories. We wish you a very happy and full retirement. Until next time, thank you listeners. Take care.